0: Hello and welcome. This is a brand new episode of a totally Indian football show and I'm your host Siju. And today I am joined by a gentleman named Anubhav Roda, joining us all the way from Dubai. He's worked in multiple aspects and various aspects of Indian football and also sports, the larger section. But I'll have him uh, tell us a bit more about himself. But firstly, let me introduce and welcome him on the show. Anubhav, thank you so much for taking your time and uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Pleasure is all mine.
0: So just for our listeners, you've dabbled into a lot of things. Uh, you've worked majority of your life is in sports, for sure. Uh, but while you were in India, you've also you know, worked closely in the Indian football, grassroots field and in various capacities. Uh, you also managed uh, players and athletes and stuff that you've worked, played a role in the Under-17 Men's World Cup as well. But if you can just give us listeners, probably let's hear it from you with regards to uh, how has uh, your journey looked like while you were in India?
1: Right. So it's been quite a journey for me. Honestly, I come from an engineering background as well. And as we commonly say in India, that in India, you first become an engineer before you decide what you want to do in life. So I had a similar experience as well. So happened to complete my engineering, then was working with an IT telecom MNC for a year, but realized that wasn't something I wanted to do for the next 35, 40 years of my life uh, was quite passionate about sports so i thought i'll i'll try and uh, traverse the field I unfortunately wasn't talented enough to play any sport professionally so i thought okay let's get on the management side went to kolkata to pursue my sports management so yeah i'll almost complete a decade uh, in another few months uh, in the industry so like i mentioned earlier as well and i i do mention it to everyone as well that back then the industry was very unstructured and that's why you see that i have dabbled across a lot of different things So I started off working at the grassroots level in football. So there were a couple of European guys who were in India because their wives were working here. They were quite passionate about football. They had their coaching licenses. So they thought, why not start doing coaching for kids? And that project became a company. And then we happened to launch one of the largest youth leagues in India. And I would say the first ones, uh, first proper youth league in India, spanning across six, seven months in a year, with games happening every weekend. So like you would see in Europe because they came from that background. So that was something that they were very specific about. Had a lot of challenges. Some teams cannot play on this day. They cannot play at this time. So even getting the fixtures right was, was a big pain, but but get executing that was, was a great experience. So I happened to work on that project uh, quite hands-on a couple of seasons. First season had about 70 teams. Next season we crossed 100 teams across different age groups. Started off from under eight going up to under 19. So that's where my journey started within the football space, interacted with a lot of coaches that were coming from from all across the world. Uh, we happened to strike a technical partnership with West Bromwich Albion. They were a Premier League club back then. So we had a lot of exchange programs with them as well. So trying to understand the entire ecosystem of how football works right from grassroots up to the professional level was, was something that I got to know in my first experience itself. And it was... Quite fascinating. And thereon, I've moved across different things. So I happen to work with Delhi Dynamos in the ISL. Then I work with the ISL itself. Then, like you mentioned, with the Under-17 World Cup. Managing players in in football. Doing some pre-season tours, etc. as well for ISL teams. So, yeah, been been doing a lot of stuff uh, in football in India. Then moved to Dubai about 18 months back. Worked on another football project here with the Saudi Pro League. And now currently in the UAE, working with a lot of different uh, stakeholders within the uh, football ecosystem predominantly.
0: Like yeah, I'm sure uh, the listeners must have heard this and they must have you know, taken a deep breath and like, oh, that's a lot of work done there. But uh, you mentioned about this, about how the structure was lacking while you were here, hands on, when you were doing uh, in the middle, when you started off, you mentioned the youth leagues that you kind of pioneered into and in making that a project. Uh, But then years later, you also worked on ISL, on the league with different clubs. You were with Delhi Dynamos. From there, you know, from that that space of starting out, working, starting something, and then there's a league that's come up. uh, And it's come a bit a long way now to where we are. Uh, Though you are not there hands-on now, do you see the changes uh, happening? And if so, what are those changes?
1: Right. So I think uh, Indian football has evolved a lot in the past decade. Uh, People have realized that there are no shortcuts. So the focus has been on grassroots as well. And I think even ISL has mandated teams to do some activities on the grassroots uh, level. Then you see youth leagues have come up in the past few years, baby leagues as well so i think overall if i see the entire ecosystem a lot has changed a lot has uh, improved i think in terms of the entire ecosystem a lot of focus has been given on grassroots and baby leagues etc as well so right from grassroots to youth level and then of course the professional level wherein we have the isls and i leagues etc so yeah but but having said that i think there's still room to do lo- a lot more a lot of teams need to get involved on the grassroots side of things as well i think The entire ecosystem sort of with the ISL, with the franchisee fee, uh, teams incurring losses, all of that has had an impact of them not being able to devote too much on the grassroots side of things. But I think those things are changing and and I I hope it will change. There are a lot of new projects that have come about as well in the grassroots space. Uh, A lot of people have taken uh, pro bono roles as well, trying to impact Indian football and, and trying to get India to a world stage and in football so i think there are changes for everyone to see i think there are there's still a lot to do and and i'm sure people are already at it and then things are changing we had a new roadmap as well and and all of those things uh, in order as well so i'm i'm hoping things change further and the next decade we see further improvement and we see a lot more happening in that space
0: Right, since you mentioned now about the roadmap and rather putting it out the word there as how even they call it as a vision twenty forty seven what do you what is your take on that, and uh, what is uh, the current uh, you know the assessment of yours ha- having gone through it or you know even heard about it?
1: So I think the fundamental problem in India is not putting together a vision or a roadmap document. I think Robert Barn also did a fantastic job when we have when he put together a document where lack like is the implementation side of things. And that's something that I'd like to see and look forward to. So I think document-wise, everything looks good. But I want to see how those things are implemented on ground because putting ideas together is one thing, but being able to implement them consistently over years uh, with all the roadblocks that you'll face, that's something that's challenging. And that's something that I think we need to improve upon. And that's where, once that happens, that's when we'll see the real change is what I feel. So I'm I'm, I'm keenly looking out on how we are able to implement that roadmap 2047 is a long way away, but yeah, I want to see how we move gradually year on year and see if those things are actually implemented on ground. What's the kind of impact they've had and I'm sure we'll need to change a lot of things around as well. So a document put today till 2047 cannot stay as it is we will evolve. Things will evolve. The industry will evolve. The ecosystem will evolve. So I'm sure there'll be different maneuvers that we need to do in the roadmap. And once things are implemented and assessed, that's something that can happen. So yeah, I'm I'm keenly looking out for that.
0: Yeah, now coming to things of, uh, you know, in with regards to, we see how, uh, like we were talking off the record about this, but I think this is a chatter that, how can Indian football clubs that are coming in, we've seen so many of them, I'm sure even you would know more than me from the time you've been part of Indian football, uh, the number of clubs that have opened, uh, you know, as compared to the number of clubs that have shut are all the more. And it is a loss because uh, there was a lot of effort put in, there was a lot of work put in by everyone involved. And then to see it not having some kind of sustainability and hence it goes out. Now, it could be the point that we say that across the world, you know, sports in, in the larger perspective it may or may not be a money making or a business kind of things. Uh, and then if you narrow it down to football also, But at the same time, when we are saying this, we do see successful leagues going in. Uh, yes, they have tried and they have tested and at times they have failed like the Bundesliga, right? Uh, they started off with the first time, but they failed and they regrouped themselves and came back again. But now we see the clubs or the leagues uh, making some kind of money. And uh, when I say some kind, I'm just being very modest about it. Uh, but they are being able to sustain uh, over the over the years. So uh, when it comes to Indian football, yes, we are not there yet. Most of these factors are also probably on-field performances and how we go about with things and everything. And all, again, boils down to game time. Yes, I understand. But I don't think uh, we can just say that and get away with it. Uh, So how do you see, is Indian football marketable? Having, you know, having been through places and you've, uh, you know, dabbled and dwelt deeper into the commercial side of things, or the marketing side of things, how do you see indian football being able to market itself right. or you know pull in more investors and how can that go about
1: right so i would say definitely marketable we've seen this a sport like kabaddi do so well without it being as popular as as a sport like football where you see fans going crazy during world cups being up till whatever times for watching their clubs play football so there is a lot of interest in india in football Uh, Also, if you see some of the pockets, right, if you see Kerala Blasters, they enjoy a great support. FC Goa, earlier we had East Bengal, Mohan Bagan, they enjoyed a great support. But I I think the the issue is that because the ecosystem of football wasn't structured and with this I-League, ISL fiasco, all those things happening, investors have wanted to stay away from it. So largely I'm speaking some of the, like a lot of ISL teams took a leap of faith. They invested in Indian football understanding that a long-term vision will be in play and and things will evolve. But as we see, there's still scuffle happening over the roadmap, over how I-League, ISL are structured, etc. Although ISL is established as the top-tier league. But still we see about promotion, relegation. A couple of years back, I think a lot of clubs are fighting to bring down the franchisee fee, which is a large chunk of money that they pay every year to ISL to participate as well. So I think those those issues were there wherein a lot of investment could not be made in the right areas because the ecosystem on the whole wasn't able to support the structure and able to come up with a sustainable structure or a solution. I think once that happens, we have a clear roadmap in in order. All of that is taken care of. Then I see Indian football progressing further. I think initial seasons of ISL were great. We enjoyed a lot of viewership. I think became the fourth highest viewed football league as well in the world which was a huge thing right first season of isl second season of isl becoming getting there a lot of crowd in the stadiums etc happened so there was a lot of buzz around it but i see that going a bit off in the last last few years because of a lot of issues with the ecosystem on the whole as well also i feel a key area for teams to be able to become more marketable and become more sustainable is investing in grassroots. I think that's again that I mentioned earlier I haven't seen all teams do that as much as ideally it should happen because ideally you'd want to produce your own own players and not spend money on getting players from outside paying huge transfer fees etc etc. there's a reason that city football group invested in India right they see a potential they they, they usually pick markets wherein they see potential where it's growing. And that's where they want to invest money and see if more players can come from there and they can utilize those players across the different network that they've been able to develop. So I think there's tremendous potential. We've seen talent also. We do manage to do well at at age group levels as well. But the only thing is because of the lack of clear structure roadmap, things have not fallen the way they should have and that's why i say that we've put together a vision document but i'd like to see how it's implemented because there'll be a lot of roadblocks there'll be a lot of issues coming in between different stakeholders all of that will keep cropping up so i think that's where you need to have all stakeholders together and have a same vision and then that's where we can ideally see indian football progressing and building a being able to build a sustainable model within Whatever structure they have,
0: so yeah, right now, like the whole aspect of one is this: okay, investments coming in, and how can it be done? Uh, structure is is the key over there, but also somewhere, you know, I was speaking to Martin lowe in one in the one of previous episodes, and I think this is not new. What he said was also not new because. It's something that people who really closely feel and want to want to see Indian football improved, even as journalists' capacity, they they have written about it. They have spoken about it of having patience and being consistent in what you are doing. But because of certain power play, uh, you know, or people going in and coming in and often hear this and that that kind of goes away. Like if someone has started to put on to do something consistently, but then there's a shift and then that is taken away and we want, we are looking for overnight success, right? Uh, We think everything happened overnight. Uh, We want some games to be improved. Uh, We want to play in the World Cup and so we are like, okay, now let's host a World Cup or an event or whatever. So do you think somewhere are we in a race or a competition against cricket Because the reason I'm kind of trying to now compare is uh, not comparing in that aspect, but uh, we sometimes fail to understand that uh, one is that cricket is played among fewer nations. And second, uh, we've got results like at the national team level. Uh, That's where the whole success played into the picture and it became the sport uh, to look up to for, for the country. But football is all about building from scratch with that whole culture aspect. And that is a common thing I have heard even from different people, even the ones who have had, I have had on the show, someone like Tom Bayer saying, it's just the culture. So I'm like, okay, then in that perspective, how can we build this culture? I know I kind of squeezed in two questions there, asking if it's a race or a competing because we lack patience. We clearly lack patience and consistency. So why is that so? And the culture part, how can we build? Because you mentioned about, you know, clubs investing in grassroots. So that gives us the academies and the other clubs, you know, trying and investing uh, or starting out the culture aspect from that level where you're talking to parents, you're dealing with kids at the tender age. How can one go about this when at the top level, just like there is no structure. So how can we, to build that culture? What is the structure like then?
1: Right. So, uh, first things first, you mentioned about it being a race, and I, I completely agree in India, we've, we've always chased people who've done, who've been successful, right? I think even I, I it was Sunil Chetri was mentioning that uh, in one of his interviews, uh, that we always chase people who have done well, but we don't, we forget people who've been there, who've devoted a lot of time within sports. So it's, it's, it's the time to stop celebrating just winners, but also participants. So that's something that I feel we are lacking to an extent. Even even if we look at the Olympic sports, right? Once you win a medal, you are awarded with crores of rupees. But But of course, nobody really cares when you are actually going through the ages wherein you actually develop and, and are able to be successful one day. So I think that's a fundamental problem that we have. That will change with time is what I feel this generation will be more open. They are more averse of understanding benefits of sport, of participation, of of being in community, etc. So I think that shift will come. About building a culture, yes, absolutely. We don't have a sports culture and this is something that I've I've vocal about in my earlier discussions as well. And that's something that we need to build on. There's a concept uh, called physical literacy which has become a buzzword lately. So the idea is that people should be should be doing sport or physical activity with the intent of having fun with with an intent of being able to move their body being able to enjoy their time participate engage with people etc it's not about going there and winning right if you if you've been to a few youth or or grassroots level competitions as well you'll see coaches playing there just to win right their focus is not on developing the players right or playing the right way or or having a structure of that sort in place, they'll fudge ages, they'll, they'll fudge documents, all of that will happen just to win a youth-level tournament. And where does it take you? Nowhere, know right? So the intent is everywhere and everyone is chasing something. I think there has to be a solitary vision. I think I was reading about Belgium. They put, they invited all the clubs, they invited a lot of stakeholders within the football ecosystem. And then with the national body, they came up with a solution that, okay, this is how we want football to develop. This is kind of football we'll play right from the grassroots they came up with a new formation i think 352 formation is where they started off and everyone in the ecosystem was trying to play that formation and that's how they started developing players and you saw them rise right so there's no shortcut to success in football you need to develop players it will take time you cannot magically just like get a new player uh, tomorrow who will start winning you games or start doing magic on field it has to happen through a gradual process and that's where i think we've we've, la- we've lacked and that's where we need more investment more focus on grassroots on doing more coaches certification i think japan did a marvelous job when they started certifying more coaches and local coaches because in india the the how we were working earlier was getting more foreign coaches on board but that that then restricts the number of people that you can reach, you cannot have hundreds or thousands of foreign coaches coming in and being able to educate kids. So the future is being able to educate local coaches who then further educate more coaches and then you reach out to more players. I think that's the key. I, I don't know why we keep looking at the West when we are looking at developing football, when we have a model like Japan right next to us. We've done phenomenally well. You saw how good they were at the World Cup. Uh, so that they have come through a gradual system and they haven't, chased like we have chased right so they have gone through a gradual process doing things right they even i think for for a while they even had the they had less number of foreigners in their leagues etc so I think you need to compromise on certain aspects for a short time to be able to build for the longer run and I think that's something that we need to focus on we'll get there but we need to do things right and i I, I understand there has to be a balance because you cannot just neglect like pro football and say okay we are not not focusing on that at all and just focusing on grassroots there has to be a balance so that there is interest at all levels but i think there has to be a larger focus on grassroots on putting together the right systems on having that vision to be able to do really well right so for instance i'm i'm sure you would have heard of minerva and how they are trying to do things now they have invited players at the right age now because they want to develop a team for say the 2034 world cup And they can qualify at that point of time. So I think that's the focus that we should have. Earlier, we heard people saying that we call we want to qualify for 26 World Cup, for 22 World Cup, also 30 World Cup. So I think we always keep talking about we want to play World Cup, whereas nobody sees how we are doing at the AFC level, right? We haven't even been able to participate in the AFC competitions regularly. So that that's something that we need to look at, right? You always need to take short steps. You can cannot just directly aim for the top, right? There have to be gradual steps and and that's how we should look at it. I think people also need to realize that we cannot just look at producing players magically. So everyone will need to have some amount of patience. There'll need to be investment that that needs to go in and I'm sure there'll be enough investors to invest in the right cause, but the, the apprehension for those guys also is there's no proper system, there's no proper implementation. Once we are able to showcase that, then I think there can be sustained investment going in and, and there are enough, I think, stakeholders that will be happy to do it. Uh, Tata was doing a project, Reliance is doing projects. So I think there are enough investors and large corporations that will ha- be happy to support projects. Even Hindustan Zinc is running their academy, Minerva is doing. So I think there are efforts happening, but we should ensure that these are not in silos and we have a more concerted effort towards getting football ahead.
0: Right, I think all the while while you were speaking about and sharing the insights, I could only think of, you know, I was drawn back to the episode. I already mentioned Martin Lowe saying a few things. But, you know, you've just reiterated and, you know, emphasized on some of the points that even he mentioned uh, with regards to why don't we, you know, we don't cater to AFC as the top-level tournament here. We always want our players to, even when the players that we're looking at who wants to go out and play, we're always talking about why our players are not playing in the Europe. But nobody wants to see that, you know, uh, we are not even trying to get our players playing in Japan or Australia for that matter, but we directly want access to. So the whole Europeanization of or the Westernization of the sport that has been, and this statement's coming from an Englishman who's covering Asian football. I think uh, that just says a lot where we really need to look inwards and not outwards, right? Just like you mentioned that when we have a Japan who's doing things, or when we have, he mentioned, countries like Uzbekistan who's been doing some great work. So, when we have so these Even countries... Even Vietnam for that. Yes. That matter, yes. They have had a, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, I think uh, we are still bit, and in fact, he puts the onus on AFC, you know, saying that they also need to get things done right uh, so that the countries under their belt and under their confederation look up to them saying, hey, you know what? We are the epitome of where you can reach and then you can get out and become the global thing. But anyway, coming back to, circling back to a point I was mentioning with regards to clubs not making enough money uh, here in Indian football. One of the points, and I think even I was talking to someone where I mentioned that the majority of the revenue that comes for the European clubs or the clubs in Premier League and stuff, they have a very heavy influx of or income of uh, money coming in, you know, from the broadcaster's point of view, right? Uh, that if The clubs are doing well, they always see. So, that is something now, you know, clubs, Indian football clubs, everybody knows. Nobody. There's nothing to be hidden there that, you know, they are bleeding, right? And It's not their fault. They're pumping in money, but there's nothing coming in return, right? So how do you see... Do you see some kind of change there? Because now, uh, probably the next few seasons, ISL will be picked by Sports 18, right? And uh, it is their league. So I don't know how how much more... uh, Can our Villa clubs ever make money? And can the broadcast aspect of things also come and say, okay, let's work in a way that it really helps Indian football. What do you have to say about that?
1: Right. So, definitely, like you mentioned, that's absolutely correct. Clubs worldwide, and even if you look at IPL, right, most of the money that these franchises make is out of broadcast revenues. So, and that's that's globally the, the highest uh, paying uh, fee, right? So, So, I think that went missing as well. And I think if you would have read Kabaddi teams fought for it because Star was also a stakeholder there. They weren't getting a fair fee as broadcast rights. So, they insisted on doing an auction for broadcast rights as well, which Star won again, but they paid a much higher amount, right? So, that's something that needs to change as well. And like you rightly mentioned, as far as I know, I think from this, Star has another year of ISL and after that it moves to Viacom 18. And I I hope then the clubs are fairly compensated on the broadcast rights uh, bit as well. And like I earlier mentioned, right? Franchise fee of 15 crores is a big hole in the pocket, right? Imagine if these clubs can invest even 5 crores out of that in grassroots every year, you will see a big change. Maybe invest that amount in building a residential academy, doing more exchange programs, being able to play better opponents. So I think that money can be invested in a lot of other things. And that's something that I need. I think needs to change predominantly. And like I mentioned earlier as well, I think clubs were fighting for reduction in franchisee fee. I don't know where that thing is now because I've been a bit out of touch in the past year. But that's something that I think is a big hole in the pocket and that money can be invested in a lot of good projects at the grassroots and that, that can fundamentally change a lot of things for the clubs in the longer run. Yeah, so I think that's something that that, that needs to change as well.
0: Right. Now, coming to the aspect of, uh, you know, a few more things and I'll let you go. When we see Indian football, we definitely, it is a market for players overseas also. We see Spanish players coming in. We see Australian players coming in. And we also, I think, if I'm not wrong, we saw a, an article that came out in, in with regards to, like, how during the pandemic as well, and while they were still locked down, the leagues were played in the bubble, we still saw players coming from Australia to India. You know, because even A-League couldn't afford to pay uh, the players what they were asking for. But for Indian football, uh, it's always a four-month gala time that players really make a lot of money, especially the foreigners. Uh, So hence, you know, when we there's also a talk at this point with regards to Indian players and their salary wages, you know, all of those things. But I think we'll keep that conversation because that itself needs a whole episode dedicated to that. But I'll come to a point where you played right. a very key role in bringing a Costa Rican footballer uh, back in 2018 to East Bengal. And it was a whooping amount of 1.36 crore. If I'm not wrong, that's what it says out right. there on paper. But he was just here for only a year or so, uh, according to, to, to the report. And uh, if you if you can probably tell us a little bit more, if you're allowed to share a few more things about... How did that deal went about and, uh, you know, that was a huge amount. And uh, did something go wrong that he was only here for a short period?
1: So the time he came was when Quest overtook East Bengal. Then they wanted to change things around. They wanted, and every new owner that comes in wants to make a statement. And I think that was their statement, right? bringing him right from the World Cup. There was, was a big statement in itself. So that's something I believe that they wanted to make through that move. Eventually, his his performances were not up to the mark in in certain games, and then because there was a lot of there were a lot of internal issues going on between East Bengal and Quest Board and all of that. I think all of that led to him going back rather sooner. So yeah, I think that's where I, I I say these legacy clubs they could have done so much, but they end up with all this internal politics happening and and people running for par and all of those things that a lot of good things that could have happened never happened and you would have seen already that East Bengal have had now their third investor come in in the form of Sri Cement so I think because of the internal issues that that kept going on about the ownership of East Bengal and the entire board structure etc that's why a lot of players that were there earlier were then asked to part ways and then you were Players were brought in, and like I mentioned, every ownership change would typically see owners trying to bring in new players because they want to make a statement, because they want to have a fresh system in place, etc., etc. So that's that's where he got somewhere lost in all that transition. But yeah, I think that was a statement of intent from East Bengal at that point, from Quest specifically, and that's how that's that's how it the entire transfer transpired. And like you rightly mentioned, right, the wages in India are way above what what somebody else would pay players of these le- of this level and that's that's another i would say an issue with the entire sustainability thing in in play but yeah like you mentioned we can t- talk about that another day but but yeah that's how the entire episode transpired
0: yeah Finally, now we were speaking about culture aspect, right? We are talking about how we can build culture and how it is important. And that's how it should be because you need to build a community or whatever that is. Now, we are when we are talking about all of this, how do you make sense of what is currently happening? I mean, I think by the time this episode is out, uh, it won't be current anymore because the tournament must be over by then. Santos Trophy semi-finals and finals are being played, uh, or were play, were being played in Saudi Arabia. Now, how can a tournament? It is a prestigious tournament, okay. And we also saw statements by the current regime in whose in who's in hand. I mean, so far I was fair enough. I wasn't. I personally wasn't judging too much into them. They like, and I have been very, not too bothered about commenting on these things anymore since the past one one and a half year. But that just didn't make sense. He 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 was just calling for people to dis on the fact that he was because it didn't completely make logic of when he makes a statement like. Uh, we expected more fans to come in because we thought it would be a Kerala or a Bengal in the final. That is one. Second, he went on to say, only if Saudi football fans in Saudi would have come out and watched. But I mean, even in football fans general in India, if you ask them, do you even know about Santos Trophy and do you even know it was happening? And uh, who is playing and who is not playing? I don't think the majority of football fans in this country would know about it. Okay, so to expect of football fans in Saudi to come and watch a Santos Trophy between states they are probably they're not aware of where a Punjab is playing, Meghalaya, Karnataka. So I'm like, how do you make sense of all this? And I mean, these statements are very loosely put out there. It doesn't even make sense. So how do you, you know, try and build that confidence, uh, among among. Uh, uh, among the people who are here. And I think there we've lost an opportunity to ca- somewhere kind of bring in crowd, bring in people, because I'm sure if it was held here in one of the either of the states, you could pull in a crowd. If revenue was the only thing that we went out. But how do you make sense of this? I know I went on a very long rant there. But yeah, my question is, how do you make sense of something like this?
1: Unfortunately, it's it's hard to find sense in all of that. A country watching ronaldo play now uh can't you can't expect them to come and watch these states play whom they have no connection with who they haven't whom they haven't heard about they don't know anything at all and i'm as far as i know there would have wouldn't have been any promotion as such also from from the saudi football per se of of this match happening there so yeah i think like you mentioned it's time for us to focus on the right things with the partnership. I would have rather seen India doing some technical expert expertise exchanges between Saudi and India and focusing more on grassroots and having kids an opportunity to come and play in Saudi or train here. All of that instead of focusing on trying to do these marketing gimmicks wherein we move a Santosh Trophy semi-final or final to another country thinking that those people would want to come and watch. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's hard to find sense in that. Also moving a game to another country, making teams fly, all of that. I don't even understand the entire financial sense of it, uh, honestly. So yeah, I think um, I, I don't really have too much to say on that. Uh, I, I also don't really understand what they were trying to achieve with this. That's why I've always, like, that's why I've mentioned repeatedly in the episode as well, that I want to see how things are actually implemented on ground, things put on paper is something, but how these guys will actually implement with the guys that we have, and with the challenges that that will come. That's where I want to see how we do in the next two to three years. And that's the real challenge. Yeah, of doing things right.
0: Yes, I think we all have to play the waiting game, right, to see how things are. But uh, to start off, if this is what it's going to be like, uh, it's just, I think, if none of us can make sense out of it, I think probably only they can do that. And I will try my level best to get either one of them on the show and try and uh, ask them if they can actually shed some light and help us in making sense out of these things. But either ways, uh, hoping is all that we can do that, you know, we get to see things down on to being played in the right way. Patience and consistency, right? That's where we, uh, we want to build towards. Uh, Anubhav Roda, thank you so much for your time. This was a lovely conversation mm-hmm. and I hope you uh, enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it.
1: Absolutely.
0: To all the lovely listeners out there, thank you so much for once again, uh, you know, as always, you've been our biggest support and thank you for showering your love. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. And if you do, please show us, uh, you know, it's love is to act, right? So please show us in action by following, subscribing to our show. We are available on all the leading audio platforms. You can listen to it on your preferred one. So please do so and leave a rating wherever it's possible. Uh, This is a totally Indian football show. I'm your host, Ajus signing off. Until next time, see you. Bye-bye.